passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 17 of the Eggshells Podcast Companion. This podcast is an audible companion to Eggshells Pro Wrestling in the Tokyo Dome, a book that covers every pro wrestling event in the history of Japan's most famous stadium. In this podcast, we have a look, an in-depth look at each year in Tokyo Dome history with a different guest each time. Uh, this time we have uh, a returning guest, I think for the second time probably in the history of this podcast um we have a returning guest and uh, quite a returning guest uh, the artist the man behind uh, the uh the illustrations of of eggshells pro wrestling in the tokyo dome and uh my brother to boot matt Chalt. hey thank you for having me back yes by popular demand I hope. <laughs> <laughs> everything's yeah. recorded so far in advance that <laughs> you could be in popular demand or be be reviled actually like the uh the the one you did last time has actually gone on general release by this point and uh the reception was very good to it so yeah no nobody sent me abusive messages everyone was very nice and pointed out the the band that i'd completely forgotten even though my pile of cds just over there i could have just got up and picked up a church of misery cd and didn't and it's the fact that i'm terrified of speaking at my ipad for people um yeah and my mind just went blank so they yeah thank you people imagine your ipad doesn't have any clothes on that's what they know my ipad is they say i don't understand that okay Uh, (laughs) 2005 uh we're looking at now um is a very significant it's a significant year to me um, as we go through, as we look at this year in Tokyo Dome history, it's a significant year to my history. This was the year that I came, that I moved to Japan, it was 2005 in, in September, September the 25th, 2005. So I'm nearly, as we're recording this, I'm approaching my 13th uh, Japan anniversary. What was going on with, with you and, and wrestling, uh, watching wrestling in, in 2005? Were you, like, mainly on... Were you watching it a lot? Or were you watching... If you were watching, was it mainly WWE or...? No, I, I, was, I was watching it a lot because that was when I was living in a hotel. I was living and working at a hotel. They had a good TV set up, so we had all of the channels, all of the... you know, So we had the, the Fight Network or, or before the Fight Network, the, the wrestling channel um, in the UK and Raw and SmackDown every week. And because I... A super smarky, smarky, smark. Whatever Japanese wrestling I could get my hands on. So no, I, I was fully involved and in trying to get as hold of as much as possible. As far as Japanese wrestling is concerned, so when you went, one of the first things you sent back to me was um, uh, Noah Noah DVDs because Noah was 
no, the hottest was, thing. No, it was the thing at the time. And we, we're going to get into this as, as we go into the podcast. But yeah, this was actually a point where Noah had eclipsed very slightly New Japan. You know, New Japan was at their lowest ebb and Noah was at their highest peak. You know, they, they both coincided with one another. Um, so yeah, Noah, Noah was the, was the in thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, before, before we go into in depth on, on all of the shows that were happening in, in 2005, um, things that were happening in Japan other than, and me arriving into the country, which, which, um, sent shockwaves emanating I was from say, the, the coastal town of, of Fujisawa throughout the, the entire nation <laughs> when, when I arrived. Um, number one in the ch- in the pop charts in 2005, Matt, was uh, Shuji to Akira. joke on this podcast of people not not identifying with my uh with my tireless research and um what else was happening in 2005 in 2005 and this this kind of uh loops uh loops back to pro wrestling um the xbox 360 launched in well in the entire world but launched also in, in japan <laughs> pertinent to to our uses um, something that uh, was a big deal in the West and wasn't a big deal at all in Japan, um, other than one of the launch titles for the Xbox 360 in Japan was Wrestle Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom, yeah. So, like, this was uh, the game that that Ukes was was putting out. Uh, this was like, I mean, they were working on it for a long time. A lot of uh, different licenses from from different promotions, uh, specifically. Uh, New Japan, and then just before, you know, literally, a few, I, I think a few weeks before that, the Xbox 360 and Wrestle Kingdom launched, uh, Ukes wound up buying the company, which was uh, a very strange sort of scenario. <laughs> um, I remember, like, you know, a few weeks ago on this uh, podcast, and the only reason I, I bring it up is we recorded the episode last week to sort of mm. peek behind the curtain and, and, um, so how sort of discombobulated recording pod- a historical podcast like this is. Um, so sorry to ruin the illusion, but like I don't record these in sequence. But like last week, um, me and Rich Creech were talking about 2001 and how uh, we related to the internet and wrestling at the time. And 2001 was like a watershed, I think, for my relationship um, to weird, bizarre news happening in wrestling because, like, that was one of the first things that I remember, the first big news story I, I remember finding out about on the internet um, was uh, WWF and WCW. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, for your place, for where you were at, at that point in time in, in 2005, like... Did it? Mm-hmm. Did you know that that Yuxa bought New Japan, or and was it something that was just like, 
what? It can't be the same people that make those WWF video games, right? Oh, it is? Like... No, you know, I, I, I knew it happened because I, I'm still a Luddite. I mean, you know that. So I, yeah. I didn't really catch up with you know, things on the internet as it happened. But Power Slam reported it that week. And I remember reading it in Power Slam. And I remember reading most of the things that we're going to talk about today in Power Slam. You know, um, and then, yeah, just associating it with the the SmackDown games and 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 the, the N64 games, and and so, yeah, I, I knew it happened, but I didn't know the consequences of it, or I didn't know what the ramifications of that would be. Mm. Yeah, if, if there were any, or if, yeah, I mean, if if it's significant that you suddenly have a a large sponsor or a large corporate paymaster that's dictating to a certain extent what you what you produce well kind of kind of and you know i mean it was something that uh well you know we can kind of touch on it when we get to that that stage in the show but i mean what really most people most talent of the time um think about when they think about ukes when they're asked about ukes the, the people that were there um kind of express a lot of gratitude to ukes for i mean for two reasons because first of all <clears throat> It was a situation where New Japan were um, in uh, obviously dire financial straits. This this is like the the mm. lowest um, uh, point of their business here, and um, it was a situation where there was a, a hostile. You know, it could have been a hostile takeover uh, situation where it would have been sort of venture capitalist like things. It, it would have been a sort of. I guess a, a modern example is New Japan could have gone the way of Toys R Us, like recently. You know? mm. And yep. so what Ukes were able to do was was swoop in and, and block that and buy the company. Um, and so there is, I mean, there is some a lot of gratitude to to the people that are around that were around at the time towards Ukes, but simply purely for that. But I think also what Ukes were able to do as a, a corporate paymaster in a way was get them to straighten up their shit in the office and in you know in the running of the company where yeah. like the you know it was I, th I think over the last few years and really in the in the bushy road era it, it's continued to be the case where the wrestling's the wrestling side and the business is the business side and that you know there has to be some communication that's necessary um, but beyond that, it's like, we'll, we'll do our job and you do your part of the job. And that's typically worked out quite well. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, the, the general opinion is that where everything before was very vague, very general, and there wasn't enough sort of records being kept or, uh, really any sort of, uh, checks and balances, um, going going on like having ukes in there managed to supply so, you know a kind of uh, backbone where um mm. everybody had their, their you know bore their responsibility to the company and and that's and when, that was very important when did that happen in in the years we're looking at it I mean, it, was that towards the end of the year was that right yeah. at the very start yeah. yeah yeah so i mean ukes came in um in october no november time Okay. Um, so, so all of the Dome shows that we're going to talk about, they, they'd finished. They, the Ukes didn't have any influence on the the three right, Dome show. Right, right. But um, I mean, like the other sort of corporate shift was this um, shift over to Simon Noki being in charge of of the company as, as president. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
which was another thing and and uh, that had a, a big influence on <laughs> the cards we're, the cards we're about to see uh including our first card uh january the 4th 2005 um so wrestling world 2005 here the last of the wrestling world shows um before they they changed their name at one point to to new chapter and then it went on to wrestle kingdom um this is i mean as i said a couple of times already just uh in the the short start of the show this is where new japan was at its worst um financially at its worst um in terms of uh you know public awareness public perception mm. and um yeah this this it was the worst in terms of um paid attendance for the tokyo dome something that new japan advertised as forty six thousand was actually uh the figure was eight thousand five hundred paid um but and not for, much more than that well i mean not much in terms of people but not a huge amount more but still like come to be five figures like around twenty thousand people were in the building okay. um it was so I was looking Mm. No, looking looking at the recording, it just um, very very close shots, a very very dark. Yes, area. It, it it just looks empty. It feels empty. Yeah, yeah. But um, to to sort of say how dire the situation was, it's a you know it's a cliche to say you couldn't give it away, but you couldn't. Um, <laughs> the story is that, that you know that this was so heavily papered, so they went from. 8,500 paid to 20,000 in the building, but they actually gave out so many tickets that it was kind of hard to get tickets legitimately. Um, and so they'd given out, you know, well in the region of 40,000 enough to fill a 40,000, uh, seat Tokyo dome. Um, but, uh, literally people had tickets and didn't come, you know, that's how bad the situation was. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't bear thinking about today. It's it's such an incredible um, situation, you know, today where it's a legitimate sort of thirty four thousand uh, in that building, thirty four thousand five hundred uh, for mm-hmm. for the latest Wrestle Kingdom, and you know where we're thinking every year now. Oh, they might sell it out. They might sell it out. They might not. Um, but but uh, yeah. that's part of having just one big show there a year, as opposed to three shows, yeah. which you're not necessarily engaged with you, you go to the first one get disappointed by the second one you don't turn up to the third one yeah yeah i mean that's absolutely it it was a, a holdover you know of when they were running dome tours you know in in mm. the late 90s and they they felt that you know at this point the osaka dome was done they they stopped doing the fukuoka dome uh, in what 2000 would have been 2001 I think was the last Fukuoka Dome show they did because after that they brought their their spring dome show was in the Tokyo Dome for, for May um, so yeah it, it was this this clinging on to it and, and this matter of well we have to do it we have to do it um, and it wasn't until you know I mean Simon Inoki's reign as, as president is something that a lot of people kind of i mean partly justifiably but like partly really kind of unfairly you know um but being the position that he was in as antonio Noki's son-in-law and, and being in a very, a very difficult spot really um throughout yeah. his entire time in the company he was always you know he's always going to be kind of uh vilified to a certain extent right and the fact that he replaced um 
you know that, that he came in as as president simply because he wanted to do it, or and you know Antonio Inoki wanted him in this spot. You know, and, well, I was going to ask you what what qualified him for that position other than his his family name. I mean, did he have any experience within? I don't know, within the business world or within the wrestling world, what did he do before before he got there? Yeah, what happened was uh, this guy Kusiyama was was brought on to be president of the company, and and he was brought on on Antonio Noki's recommendation, and he was brought in really from outside wrestling. He was, you know, he, I think where did he work? I think he worked in like undergarments. You know, it's like the yeah. world he, he came from, um, and really to do what kind of what I was just talking about, Ukes was doing to bring in kind of checks and balances and and kind of sort things out financially. And he was brought in yes. on a on a two year contract with a brief of get the company out the red and then we'll go from there um which was really the kind of brief that you know bushy road had when when they came in was okay well let's first have this phase of writing the ship and then then growing things from throwing things from there and Mm -hmm. so kusiyama uh, this is you know by his accounts and by his books you know so you know take it with a pinch of salt but um he had this two-year mission that he was able to achieve in one year. Um, you know, within the, the bounds of 2004, he managed to, to stem the bleeding. Um, but then all of a sudden, Antonio Inoki puts in Simon Inoki. Like, Simon Inoki, he had been around uh, for a while. Um, really going back from, to, like, the early 2000s, he was part of the booking committee, committee then. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had been connected with the business and then like, so mainly before he became president, he was doing a lot of stuff in the Enoki Dojo. Um, okay. so that's where he came in. But I mean, really like the, the cynical view is that at this point, Enoki knew that he was getting out. Right. Um, right. so it was this thing of, okay, I can divest myself fully, but still have my hand in this pie. You know, I, I, yeah. I think was, yeah, was yeah, part yeah. of it. Right. Um, so, but yeah, did Simon Anoki was, was definitely kind of part of the business. He, he wasn't somebody that was, um, brought in as, as a complete unknown. Um, right. and you know, he was able to <laughs> do a few things like, um, you know, I, I think, he bring his choice of bringing in Choshu, which is something we'll get into again as we get into the last show. But bringing in Choshu as as a guy to to look after the creative side of the company was a smart choice, really. Yeah. Because I think Choshu was was able to have a level edited approach, and it was really the, the his mindset um, that convinced the company to say, "Well, hey, let's." stop running these fucking time shows you know yeah. because it, 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 there's nothing but but bad things coming from them um but uh, yeah i mean you you did have to go through a lot of bad to get to the good and that included uh wrestling world 2005 um mm-hmm. <laughs> which uh yeah we're, we're gonna you say we, we have to get through the bad to get through the good and like our two matches that we've we've chosen from the show one of them is good but Let's One of them is good. Yeah, but no, the the ultimate royal is is special. It's a special kind of bad because it, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't have to exist. It, 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 I, was there any 
and uh, you have more idea. Was there any build to this? Was there any foreshadowing on their TV or or in their booking? D- did the people who were there know that this was going to happen? Yeah, but uh, yeah, but I mean, it was just it. It was it, uh, it was just a bad concept from the. You know, like, it, it was very much, I think, like, um, you know, when I, I wrote in the book about 1999, that the, we often talk about the Naoyogawa Shinya Hashimoto incident, and mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like the Japanese version of the Montreal Screwjob, right? And, yeah. you know, I think Ultimate Royal is the Japanese wrestling version of, like, the Kennel from Hell match, you know, <laughs> or, like, something like that. Yeah. You know, where, yeah, it, it, there was just... So and you hear it in the in the commentary, where it's doing the mixed martial arts. Commentary. Yeah, right. It's mixed martial arts and a battle royal. You know, like. yeah, but it, but it's not. It's it's a gauntlet because right, no, it's, or, a, it's a tournament. It's a tournament. Yeah, that, that's it. That's, but that's all the, the matches are happening at the same time. No, that's it. Because you had four men in, and I was for this. I had to sit down and watch it for the the first time. So I had my analytical hat on. It was like, well, how is this going to work? And then they they're all in the same ring having their match. And of course, because some of them are doing strikes, this means that the other pair have to go off to the corner and and hug each other and do fuck all for a bit. It's it's very weird and and just impractical. And somebody. Well, must have thought this is ridiculous beforehand. Yeah, I, I think everybody did and, <laughs> and, and does. And like you hear, we have, uh, so we have here Ron Waterman. Uh, so from your, like the, you kind of have like the, the MMA guys and the wrestling guys separate, yeah. right? So like Ron Waterman was against Matthew Canarese. Um, so those are your, your, your shooters, I suppose, your MMA guys. Well, your, he, your Ron Waterman. Guys, right? Mm. Going into this, yeah, he has a, a record of twelve wins, two losses in in MMA. Is it UFC? Got yeah. wins in UFC. Got wins in Pride. Got wins in Pancras. But he's also a, a WWE developmental guy, and he was there for a couple of years. Right. Well, they. Uh, so I mean, uh, but that's their that's their um, that that is the Inokiest MO, um, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, he's a, he's a guy. You're like, oh, fucking brilliant. Yeah, he could do both. And he's huge. I mean, yeah, huge and yeah. incredible look. And then this is what got me thinking. Is that, so, okay, if you then have this guy to win, he, he can wrestle as well, and then you shoot him to the moon after this, then I understand Ron Waterman mm. winning mm. everything. Um, but then he has six matches in total after this this show. Uh, he's on the next Dome show, and he loses, and then he disappears. And I, it just seems so incredibly short-sighted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, that's the, it was very short, it was very short-sighted. That's, uh, that's the same short-sightedness that, that when, well, you know, Charlie Haas is free, so we'll bring him in because he could do both. And then, like, you mm. know, I mean, Charlie Haas was a, a way better, I think, decision to bring in than, than more Waterman. But, like, I mean, it was this thing of just throwing money at anything uh, like that. And, of course, like, yeah. Brock Lesnar, who you see watching this crowd, watching this match from the front yeah, row. Yeah, you've got Lesnar and Sable there in the front. Disinterested, yeah. you know. And, like, really, I think to your point, this was, like, the backdrop to having, you know, Inoki 
say, oh, look who we've got ringside here, you know, and, and he introduces uh, Brock Lesnar to the crowd. You know, this was at the yes. point where um, Brock Lesnar had left WWE, was still in his, like, no-compete and trying to, you know, in, embroiled in legal actions, trying to get that cleared, you know. And so they, they weren't sure what he could do. You know, can he get in? Can he be in a match or maybe not? Can he do something physical and maybe not? But at least we can have him sit at ringside, you know, and, and wave to the people. Um, and a bit foreshadowing here, but uh, you know, even that costs a lot of money, right? You know, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so it's it's not entirely sensible. You have uh, Manabe Nakanishi in uh, combat trousers. This is Nakanishi in his GI Pro phase. I. Yeah. Mm, don't know what's going on here um, against Toriano. Uh, Very serious looking Toriano. Uh, yes, yeah. Proper young man. Toru Shitayano from the, the, you know, but I mean, this was, he went to Nichida University, was uh, recruited as a, you know, as, as a, because he was a good amateur wrestler, right? Mm. Um, and that's, that's what brought him in. He wasn't a wrestling fan. Um, but he was brought in because he, he had good amateur talent and uh, you know he was this guy uh, you know you, you don't see it now but I mean it's very interesting to watch like over the, the, the next few years like the evolution of, of Toriano where mm. um, you know it's a guy who isn't sometimes it's the guys that aren't wrestling fans that have long careers in, in wrestling they, they show themselves to be like the smartest people in the room in a way you know, and I, I think like Toriano is like one of the smartest people in the room when it when it comes to to an extent. You're doing your job, aren't you? You're not so much concerned with holding the gold and and being at the top because yeah, you, exactly. That was never your fantasy. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, they, and uh, you know, Yano is is someone that that kind of puts pay to the 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 brass ring bullshit that, mm-hmm. that surrounds wrestling wrestling. Where like he was a guy that, and he said very often, you know, the the more successful people are, are the people that realize that they're not going to be uh, the top guy, that not yeah. everybody can be the top guy. So how can I do my best in my position, you know? And and he was able to sort of tap into something um, yeah. that proved to be very sort of long lasting and and very effective and very you know very you yeah. know he's, he's tremendously good in his role but he was still finding yeah. himself obviously at, at this point you know um yeah. and as a result he felt kind of generic in in this match um but like speaking of generic so was like blue wolf <laughs> and uh blue wolf's uh cousin uh cousin brother the other sumia bazaar like the the other um where are they from hungary Mongolia. Mongolia, there you go. Mongolia. Because, no, him, Sumiya Bazar, he really stood out to me because he gets to the second round and he's tied up with uh, Nagata and he's just awful. He's just lost. And I had to find out what he'd done before this. And he'd had two MMA fights and he'd lost both of them. Um, He had pro wrestling experience in his own country, but not, not international. He was a former Olympian, though, which I don't know. You know. He has this legitimacy about him to a certain extent. Well, yeah, that, but, but also the like the Sumia Bazaar family was kind of famous because like there was another brother that was like one of the uh, you know one of the first. Well, at a time where there were a lot of like high profile foreigners in sumo, 
like uh. the other sumo bazaar was like a you know a high profile sumo uh, so uh, uh, uh. i think that you know there was the hope for a sort of rub off there um, right was was part of it but i think like that's one of the things in, in this match like this match is is broadly just in, incredibly boring you know as, yeah. for reasons that, we, that we've mentioned and yeah. there's a bit where sumo bazaar gets a yellow card um, oh so gosh. this was a system like they, they, yes there were yellow cards in, in New Japan for a bit here but like yeah he get he gets a yellow card for doing something on Yuji Nagata and that actually draws a little bit of a reaction from the crowd and the camera fucking misses it anyway <laughs> you know it's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and then you've got like four or five referees trying to enforce this discipline of the yellow card but then the other two guys don't know what's going on so they're carrying on at the same time and and the, yeah, the the fact that somebody's being disciplined for doing something bad is there, and people can see this, but they don't know why, and it's not reinforced, and then it's forgotten because everything is still happening. You have other people doing stuff in the ring. It was it was just very confusing and very sad and yeah. and very bad. Yeah, yeah, not not great, not great. But um, the main event here for the U thirty championship. Um, yeah. between Shinsuke Nakamura and, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, before, shall we set up here the, the U30 title? Um, what do you know about the, the U30 belt? It's for people under the age of 30, and and Tanahashi was the first winner of the belt. That's, I think, about it. Yeah, and there were only two winners of the belt, and Tanahashi Fantastic. was one of them. <laughs> so it was really this was the the thing to to strap a, a rocket to Tanahashi while um, you know a bunch of shit was happening in IWGP land. Like this is the true kind of um, sadness of of this show, and and like you know we were talking about you know going to a Tokyo Dome show and being disappointed by it. Um, mm. The the U thirty belt, which. I mean, as good as this main event, this main event is great. But like, and it is the, good. No, it was a great wrestling match. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, the 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 idea of like the the U thirty title, which would be like, I don't know, if if the if nowadays if if Lionsgate had a championship, you know, if the Young Lions had a championship, I don't know, and then suddenly it's main eventing the Tokyo Dome, doesn't make a lot of sense. But like, they were building towards Tenzan versus Kojima for the IWGP title mm. um, in February in Sumo Hall. So this was like, you know, in, instead you, you had Tenzan in this, uh, in this daft um, triple threat match, which um, you can read about more in the, in the book. Or, the, or I should say the, the three-way dogfight. Um, and yeah, instead you had Tanahashi and Nakamura, which was... Again, just I mean, like that that match finally becoming a, a main event on a show is is full of sort of disappointment and and full of awkwardness. Where um, you know, towards the end of two thousand and four, they were going to do this big show in the in the Osaka Dome, and there was a poll of the fans. You know, they polled the fans like what should be the main event, and the near overwhelming one away pick was Tanahashi versus uh, Nakamura, right? Um, first singles meeting well, coming yeah. up at the same time. You know, Nakamura was the this, the young supernova, but now at the point where, I mean, what you have to understand is like Shinsuke Nakamura in 
even as far as like early 2004 was not a very good professional wrestler um and you know he was he was very very much green and then put in this strange position where you know he was expected to have mma matches and then pro wrestling matches and nakamura for his part underwent some tremendous growth through 2004 um mainly i think you you can put that on takeyama um and the the matches he had with with takeyama which which really that's something that nakamura himself um really credits to to his growth as as a wrestler at around that point right um but yeah you you saw him become you know you you kind of eventually see some of the potential for for what for what he became um through baptism through fire yeah yeah exactly so here's this point where okay it's it's you know tanahashi as as the the uncrowned future ace against the guy that was perhaps pushed a little bit too hard and, and now has to you know under undergo his own, his own proving after being like you know literally being given the the spot at first right um, and that's something that a lot of people wanted. So, you know, I mean, they, they voted that. That was set to be the, the main event for the Osaka Dome show. The tickets were going slowly and they changed the card at the last minute and they changed it to a tag main event that nobody wanted to see. It was like, you know, it was such a cutting the nose to, to spite the face kind of thing yeah. where it it wasn't going to be the, the show. You know, I mean, face it. I mean, the company wasn't drawing anyway, right? So right. to kind of then put the blame on those two you know even though their fans had voted that that match in like not only are not only is that show not going to draw you've also just insulted your base as well you know and and you've upset the people that that voted for that match right you know it it, uh, it, it's such a, a a dumb scenario but here we finally have like this this main event which was really good and uh yeah i I think like a lot of it you know you you see so much here and it's not only really good as it's good as a match in itself but it's also good in the context of the other matches that they had i think um no it's if you look at the timeline of their relationship their long form feud it, it stands up i think against any other Tanahashi Nakamura match. I mean, they're both incredibly young, and like you said, they're both coming from incredibly different um, points of development. You know, and they've somehow ended up here at that same place where, yeah, Tanahashi has has something to prove. Is fighting for something, and Nakamura as well has to prove to to Tanahashi as, as well to himself that he deserves to be where he is. And they just both ooze a real machismo, real. I don't know. It's it's a great contest of two very very athletic, very good young men. I mean, there's some great wrestling, huge spots. I mean, the first spot of the match is a, a dragon suplex from Nakamura, and then Tanahashi gets right back up. It's a, a German suplex. You get um, that, and then you get the fact. You know, and this this comes from them having tagged through the the later part of the year or something. Uh, you know, to a certain extent. But I think like already that you have with these guys, this is the first meeting. I always like matches where, okay, this is their, their first meeting, but you can tell they already know each other. Um, yeah. And in this case, you, you had the, the tag history, but like also it just, 
I like that personally because, like, of course you're fucking going to scout your opponent, right? You're going to watch yeah. tape, you know, beforehand. It's kind of idiotic to say, I ain't never saw that coming because they've never faced before. No, like, no, like, they do have televisions in. in Complete strangers to each other. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but, like, Tanahashi going, like, early in for the Shining Triangle, which was, like, one of Nakamura's finishes at the time. It was, like, the, the Shining Wizard into the, right. the triangle position. And yeah. uh, Tanahashi trying that early, which... Uh, uh, you know, I, th- I thought that was that was great, and like, just um, you have a a pace and a passion in this match that's, for the most part, really sorely lacking in the product at this point. Yeah, um, no, and and it's that that distinguishes. It. They, sorry, to, but just again, they're referring to the the passion, like Tanahashi, where he goes for the uh, tope suicido, he clears the guardrail. I mean, there's just so much uh, yes. velocity. Yeah. No, it, it, yeah, it, it just stands out so much. Yeah, from yeah. from all the rest, yeah. and if your brightest spots are you know in your in your young guys, these these are your future, and and so things aren't so bad. If you've got this as your main event, if your main event is eventually going to be two young guys, then you've got something to then build around for the next ten yeah. years. Even yeah. if right now it's pretty sucky. I and uh, yeah, to to go into the sort of foreshadowing that that I mentioned earlier on, uh, things that I like that are foreshadowing in this match. Um, Nakamura at one point hits uh, the Oni version of the powerbomb with like the single leg pickup, which uh, Toriano would use as a finish when he when he was joining Chaos. And so like there's there's that I like that, and I also like the idea that. Yano in return taught him how to punch a man in the dick, which is what he's been doing. <laughs> I think, um, but also you know seriously, like the the thing that I really like that that brings Nakamura and Tanahashi as as a full story. That the first thing before they start wrestling in this match, where they're, they're sort of feeling each other out, circling, and Nakamura offers a, a handshake to Tanahashi, mm. which Tanahashi refuses. Um, and so that's their, that's how they start their first match together. And how they end their last match together in the 2015 G1, where like Nakamura, um, you know, in defeat, offers a handshake and Tanahashi accepts. Um, you know, I, I just think like that's that's a great, Incredible. that's a great yeah. story. You know, um, and the other the other part to it is um, Shibata in the front row. The camera keeps cutting away to Shibata watching Shibata the other. Like, yeah, is. and see, you know, they say, well, Katsuyo Shibata, he requested to be here, requested to be on, on the front row because he wanted to see what the, the, you know, who would determine the future of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And then the answer, of course, was not Katsuyo Shibata because, you know, he was, he left, um, like, pretty much right after this. Um, yeah. And this was the point where, you know, he was saying, I'm here, you know, I can't do the kind of wrestling that I want to do, and like the the, fami- the famous line he used was um, if I'm here, I'm going to be a salaryman wrestler and I don't want to be that. And so uh, you know, a salaryman is in somebody that was going in to, to wrestle, to collect a paycheck and, and do a job. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's when that sort of started his not such a not a, a long exodus in a way because he'd be back you know we'll probably talk about Katsuyori Shibata on an, on an, the next episode of this this podcast um he would be back because like there was still some you know some nice dealings some reasonably okay dealings between New Japan and Big Mouth Loud which is where he went um mm. but then after that you know he'd, he'd be gone for for however long he was gone like six seven years right um yeah 
So, yeah, just, I mean, even that has a slightly sad note to it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, the whole thing, wow. like I said, I mean, it was just a miserable show. I mean, this is a great <laughs> match, but it was still, in, in general, it just made me sad to go through it. And in May, yeah. we're looking at Minoru Suzuki against uh, Otsuka? Otsuka, yeah. I mean, like... Suzuki and Otsuka, this this match was, you know, I chose this because, like, Minoru Suzuki and Alexander Otsuka is like, holy shit, I'm going to watch the hell out of this, right? Yeah. Alexander Otsuka, you know, his, his time as, you know, being sort of one of those it's like these two guys like these these two like pro wrestling shoot guys you know and and yeah. Otsuka is his history with that lot like this was his um first match in New Japan for 3 years right and 3 yeah. years prior would have been i think it would have been in the Tokyo Dome i don't know whether there was like any f- more matches he did between those those New Japan things but certainly 3 years prior he'd been in like a battle arts exhibition <laughs> You know, uh, sorry, not three years, six years. You know, we're going back to '99. Uh, the sort of battle arts yeah. exhibition in, in the in the Tokyo Dome, there, right? And sort of, yeah. yeah. So I mean, like, there's there's every reason to think this match is going to be an amazing uh, sort of clash of of shooting styles, and um, it's not a bad match by any means. It's but fun. It's, it's I mean, it's, it's fun, but like God alive, the yeah. But it's oh, it's so disappointing, you know. The the kind of the the because you know you get from the announcers that then setting this great stage because they they're talking about Oscar's yeah. history because you know Oscar was in PWFG at the same time as as Minoy Suzuki was in PWFG and like Oscar then went into Battle Arts and like blah blah blah, you know. And Antonio, you know, the Antonio Inoki DNA is in Minoy Suzuki, right? Um, and you get. Oh, you know, the, the, the opening moments of this match, you know, it's, it's great. Suzuki does like the, a very Katsuyori Shibata like dropkick in the corner to Otsuka. Yeah. And then, you know, when Otsuka gets his, his offense in, it's like, oh, Otsuka hit, hits a fucking Frankenstein out of nowhere. Yeah. And then, like, he does a, a deadlift fucking German to Minoru Suzuki. You know, in a, and this wasn't, you know, a fashionable move at, at all at the time. Um, and then Suzuki responds that response to that by just getting straight back up, slapping the shit out of Otsuka, like bow and arrow, and then like he pops up from the bow and arrow into a choke. It's like fuck yeah, but like this is um, a really great fifteen minute, twenty minute yeah. could be a, a G one match. And you're like ah oh, yeah, this is gonna be a brilliant. <laughs> like if they did it now, uh, you would be sort of slavering over this. And it was four forty six. And nobody cared. You know, no, like, no but, you know, and it was like I, four minutes, forty six seconds. Oh, fucking hell! Yeah. You can't, you can't blame them for that because yeah, you mentioned he'd been there uh, for Battle Arts, but the last match that he'd had for New Japan was in ninety eight, and he'd had a couple yeah. of matches for them in ninety seven. So mm. the crowd, who perhaps weren't invested in the product, didn't know that much about professional wrestling, who were just handed a free ticket. Why, why would they care? Well, this was um, what Kusiyama said, you know, one of the things that the, the, in Kusiyama's book about, like, his time in the company, where he he came in and, um, you know, Kusiyama tried to hire in a, as many people as he could from outside of wrestling. So he got a lot of people mm. from, like, radio and, and people who were promoting bands and things like that. And um, 
you know, one of the first things he did was have a meeting where they got sort of everybody's names on the roster and everybody on sheets of you know, profiles and, and pictures and sheets of paper. And um, nobody, you know, at, at the meeting, these, these people that were new to the business, they didn't know who any of these people were. You know, mm. they, it was like, oh, well, we know we knew who Chono was. We kind of knew who Nakanishi was. But like everybody else, it it, it was just like, mm, so, well, you know, um, mm. yeah. I mean that that's the the situation that you had here. It was like nobody had uh, name value, and then this was a match that was just sort of thrown out there. Um, it was just that, a thing. Yeah, it was a yeah, it was just a thing, thing. And yeah, yeah. And I think like even now, if you you put it in this era, even if people weren't hugely familiar. Or weren't as familiar, you know. I think like now in the internet age, if like Oscar was a guy that that had wrestled for for six seven years, still people would go, oh, yeah, Oscar and Suzuki, fucking great, you know. Yeah, I watch that because now people, you know, there's there's enough of a realistic expectation that that some of mm. the that a more significant portion of like the audience was going to do the legwork and know who these people were. Um, yeah. But yeah, this wasn't the case, and of course, it's obviously not a case when like your crowds are heavily papered because they're not wrestling fans necessarily. Um, you know, they're they're coming in because they got a free ticket, and that's that that's what the case was here. I think um, the situation was a little bit better than January the fourth, but but not that much better than than January the fourth at at this point. You know, mm. um, and yeah, I mean, one of the big matches that they were they were building towards was uh on this show was a tag match um between uh Fujinami Tatsumi Fujinami and uh, Mitsuru Misawa um taking on Liger and Chono so like you you had like you know Chono and Misawa had their their past from sort of 3 years prior and Noah running very high so like you yeah. you had a lot of those uh, figures and and perhaps a, you know, all the name value on this card was in that match you know really yeah um with tenzan and kojima you know so the, it was this thing where you know, the, the if there were any casual fans casual wrestling fans around they were coming to that and then they were sticking around for the the tenzan kojima like sequel you know yeah. um because this was coming off of tenzan kojima having that near 60 minute match where you know Tenzan loses in in 59 boys at 59 50 or whatever the fantastic fantastic match and like that match is is something that's on new japan world which you should uh, go and seek out the the sumo hall match you know i think like the tokyo match isn't quite as good i find um and it's significantly shorter but like it plays on that that draw i think yeah right and the plan here and it's a sad plan but like the the original plan <laughs> here was to have chono involved you know, Chonu teaming with Hashimoto on the show, um, you know, and, and Muto, and, you know, it would have been some deal with, yeah. with uh, Chono teaming with, with Hashimoto and Muto, you know, against Misawa and a couple of guys, right? And yeah. um, the the whole idea was that this was going to be Chono's last match, you know? Um, or that he would go into retirement going on, you know, following on from this match. And that didn't happen and uh you know sadly it, it never would you know uh, yeah, Hashimoto was was sick at the time still recovering from from heart issues but it was like well 
you know, I, I still want to do it. You know, he was dealing with a lot of a very, very acrimonious split from zero one at the time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he was like, well, I'll be coming back in, in the autumn and then we'll go from there. You know, I want to get a documentary made and blah, blah, blah. And, and we'll have that match. And, um, you know, he'd, he'd never see it. So, you know, a month after this, he was, he was dead very sadly. And, um, but it's, it's kind of the state of the company where, you know, you had those guys like Tanahashi Nakamura, um, would have been Shibata that were kind of on the up, but still young, but still not, you know, and still not quite there. And Tenzan and, you know, bless his heart was doing his best, but he wasn't quite on that level. And like, you know, he had to deal with his own, you know, being kind of fucked over by the creative direction of the company as well he's doing his best yeah at exactly. the top exactly yeah. and and uh, you know putting in uh, great performances but he wasn't a level, anywhere near the level of the draw that, that he needed to be um and you know chono was the only name that you could call that that was a household name you know that, that was in new japan and he you know he, this was supposed to be his last match it was like where do you go next you know it's kind of a a, a dim situation and um not again like i'm not a huge fan of this match i i kind of think it it lacks the the sort of as we said it, it sort of lacks the heart and the, and the passion that that you kind of wanted to see no i i didn't like it at all i mean uh, fujinami comes in it's incredible you know the, again lots of energy at the very start from fujinami and he is who he is you know, this consummate pro and everyone involved in this match does what they need to do they are who they need to be but at the end you know it, it just doesn't live up to the billing of super dream tag match and there was nothing really special about it you know in the end fujinami gets the win and you know, misawa is the most over man through the course of the match everything he does is greeted with 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 applause and murmurs of anticipation when he's in the ring there with chono um but what what would the ramifications of of the match i mean what what happened as a result of it yeah i mean yeah nothing really <laughs> yeah you know you know and, and that's, that's it the it's, thing, it's, yeah. move on and and... that's the thing where yeah fujinami like wins this wins the match you know and there, there was this i mean it speaks as well to like how smart noah were with dealing with new japan at the time and you see the contrast of how noah and new japan will be working later on in the decade where they weren't in a, a strong bargaining bargaining position but yeah, here's uh, Misawa coming in, and and like no one never lost in New Japan, you know, at the, this point. Um, but it it kind of puts them in that situation where okay, <laughs> Fujinami's gonna gonna win and then not wrestle, you know, because he didn't, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I say, I I do think you know, there's 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 stuff to like here, you know, Fujinami coming in early and and really doing. Uh, doing his best to wrestle like the the junior style that he was he was wrestling thirty years prior with with yeah. Liger. That's that's an interesting um, sort of scenario here. But uh, yeah, not not great, not exciting. And like Misawa, you know, the, one of the reasons I chose this match is because you you do like you said a lot of sort of applause and murmurs uh, for Misawa because going from this show to uh, Destiny two thousand and five. Um, in the Tokyo Dome, which is the next show here, it's like night and day, you know, and almost literally in a way, because you you have those, those dark, dark building 
um, you know, trying to, to shield like the empty seats and that, that sort of very dark um, presentation. And then watching this Noah show, yeah. it's earlier in the afternoon. Um, it's on a national holiday. There's a, there's a very definite drive. You feel this drive to get young people and kids watching. Um, and it's bright. You know, <laughs> it's, it's it's very fun. much it. That, but there you go. But like it's the it's mm. the giant barber. It's like the barber motto, right? It's it's yeah. bright, fun, violent. You know, that's what you know. That's what giant barber like soul pro wrestling as. That's what yeah. like this Noah show is. Yeah, and I, I, I loved it. You know, I, part of the reason why you know I picked two thousand five, and, and it's just purely an excuse to go back and watch the Noah shows that were happening sort of in parallel to this. Because, I mean, Suzuki is an interesting figure throughout this year because, I mean, January 4th, he was on the January 4th show for New Japan um, early on in the card. And then four days later, he's headlining against Kobashi in Noah. And he wrestles a 30-minute near-enough classic. And watching Suzuki in his New Japan matches, he's going in he's doing what he's asked to do and then he's leaving and then the fun that he seems to be having and the challenge that he seems to be given by noah and the noah style uh it's just this this huge contrast and he's alive when he's wrestling for noah in 2005 it's just just beautiful to see yeah yeah it's it's an interesting sort of period because there were so many more freelancers then, mm. you know as now and and i think like probably the the circumstances around the business dictated that right but um yeah i mean you look like a guy at, at suzuki at takayama you know and at this is a point i can't when did he have his stroke it was like around here right um but yeah i mean certainly to an extent takayama and uh yeah i mean like kensuke sasaki like who won wrestle the year i think in 2004 and like you look at the the number of com- country uh, countries companies <laughs> I start with companies and then I correct myself that can't be right country <laughs> companies uh, that Kensuke Sasaki worked in in two thousand and four you know like it's like insane it's like well New Japan yeah Noah yeah Dragon Gate <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yes well, well, why not because um, wrestling is wrestling and and wrestling. Right. is for everybody because wrestling can be anything and everything and if you're a wrestler who loves it, then you can, you can do, or at least contribute mm. to everything. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, a, a real, real different sort of breath of fresh air you were getting from, from nowhere at this point. And, um, you know, you could tell that the, all the people that were there, the, the difference in not the size of the crowd, but like the volume of them where they're invested and they're there because they're fans of the product, you know, yeah. um, it, it really, yeah, really the- comes the screams from the crowd oh, for Kenta particularly oh. there you go yeah and Kenta possibly you know he's, he's one of those guys that um, you know it, it all came too late do you think really with, with Kenta you know as as a guy that I think coming in you know and this was the, the point you know this this show would have been what July 20 July 23rd I think right Somewhere around yeah, the 17th, yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, you know, so this was a couple of months before I came to Japan, and um, you know, when it would have been us, you know, watching traded tapes of Japanese yeah. stuff, um, you know, Kenta was one of my absolute favorite guys at this point in time, yeah. 
and yeah. a lot of people's absolute favorite guys at, um, at, at this time and like the Mario Ken stuff and him being just like such a, a great junior heavyweight wrestler and and but you know when he gets to the point of finally being you know I mean when he did finally become GHC heavyweight champion it was it was far 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 too late for that right and yeah yeah it, it's it's interesting you know there's there's interesting things of you know in this show like kind of an interesting kind of telltale point i made this point in the book right where there's a clear line in the sand on this show of like the front half being like all the young guys and then like the the back half being the guys that are you know, their time is getting towards an end here as you know and like that sounds like i'm i'm shitting on them when like they put on some of the fucking greatest matches uh that you can imagine and yeah. truly truly fantastic but you know were they really future-proofing themselves i don't know you know um and i think that speaks to not just where they were as a creative endeavor, but also business wise, were they, they truly looking after themselves because this was the thing where, you know, they, they had a, a big loss, a big drop in sales from 2004, which was their peak year. Yeah. 2005 but... dipped. The attendance wasn't as much in the Tokyo dome enough to the point where, you know, even though, I mean, you couldn't say that the Tokyo Dome was responsible for this this dip in sales of the company, um, but it was enough for them to say, okay, we shouldn't wrestle, we shouldn't work in the Tokyo Dome again. Yeah. And then over sort of 2006, 2007, that's when you get like this big restructuring of the company, mm-hmm. um, which was perhaps, I don't know, reactionary in a sense. And then, you know, with all of that, that's when you get, the bad money coming in that's when you get like the the sort of controversy and the issues that, that were really going to do them in over the over the next few years let alone but the fact that you know miss Owe's death you know which was compounded cri- crippling no completely but you look at this show and you look at where your your main belt is you look at the ghc heavyweight strap and it's on takeshi rikio and he's fighting yeah. against Tanahashi. Yeah, you know, and and that that doesn't make all that much sense when you've got nah. yeah someone like Kenta <laughs> when you've got an entire roster full of mm. young guys or, or people who the crowd yeah and and maybe that I mean they, they maybe their thinking was trial by fire with with Rikio but like mm. it was really yeah but I mean like even when you had even okay so it was like well Kenta he has to be a, a junior right but like Marufuji was doing both. Yeah, you know, and so I mean that that was a series you could have seen it perhaps being on a on a young Marufuji at, at that point, um, if you wanted because you know, but you know even then it, it is a thing of okay, you you know it's kind of odd when you put your main belt on a guy that isn't a main eventer, <laughs> like you know, and so this GHC heavyweight title match is like four what fourth from the top. Is that right? Four fifth on the top. Yeah, um, no, it's it's fourth on the top. That's right, and just uh, everything overshadows it. Everything that came bef- before it 
to a certain extent overshadows it. It's not that it was a bad match. It wasn't. But, you know, this is yeah, the guy. Yeah, it was, it was going to be Rikyo and Nakamura as well. Oh, was really? They, yeah, it was what they wanted. And then New Japan sent Tanahashi. Um, yeah. So, but, uh, yeah. Um, hmm, what we did have instead was, was Kenta and Kanemaru, which was showed how, how good a, a junior Kenta was, how good a junior that Kanemaru was as well. You know, and, and Kanemaru I was, was going to say guy. just how good he is, was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I and mean, he's a guy that... No, I mean, it's not drastically different now. You know, I mean, he does a lot more sort of character stuff and the, the swigging of the, the the whiskey and what have you, you know, and, and that kind of thing. But just, you know, I mean, you see just a veteran, like a guy that's, that's been a, a dick for like, <laughs> what, 15, 20 years, you know, that's, that's so, you know, you see how, how good... Um, you know, Kanemaru is as as a foil for for Kenta here, like the just you know absolute committed dedication to to fucking up Kenta's neck. Um, you know, which is 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 really good. And like Kenta, you know, I think that there's there's things just in Kanemaru's offense. It's like you know, it's something like um, Deep Impact, which is like a spectacular move, but it's spectacular in the sense, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a spectacular, like, bad guy move. It's a spectacular heel move, right? You can't, you, you can't really see, it's something to do with, you know, the, just the impact of the, the nature of a, of a DDT or something. It, it just, mm. you know, it isn't anything, you know, you, you can't see a triumphant hero Hitting a deep impact, you know, it, it seems like you're just trying to hurt somebody. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I think, that, yeah. And, and especially when you but, you see that the deep impact, like off the apron to the floor, is right here as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Big, yeah. Big, I mean, just obscene. Yeah. But the entire match is obscene. The way it builds and builds. But the the level of of appreciation for both men, you know, the face and heel dynamic, isn't really present as you come towards the end. As both men have gone through what they've gone through, I mean, the crowd is is losing it for for both guys and the finishing sequence it's just this this series of i mean it's, it's classic kind of uh, king's road mm. punishment 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 you got a twisting fisherman buster off the top rope then a buckle bomb then a sit out power bomb then spinning back fists high kick two bakuza kicks two one well, no, one go to sleep uh very hard slaps and then another vicious running knee and then finally yeah that's it i mean it, it's that it takes that much to put down another human being another wrestler you know, whereas you know, one of those moves would kill a regular human being <laughs> yeah yeah you're, right it, it's it's yeah yeah you're right it's it's a very sort of king's road match right it, and like those moves are interspersed with covers you know so it is like yeah it isn't just like okay we do things and things and things it's like that okay the brain buster gets it you know kind gets a brain buster and only gets two okay and it's a moonsault that gets two. Well, what the fuck am I going to do? Another brain buster. That gets yeah. two, you know? So like, yeah. and, and every time that there is, you do get this sense of like frustration on both sides and like, what's their take kind of thing. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, that, that eventually that third Bisaka, uh, ends Kanemaru's, uh, GAC junior title reign. Uh, this was his ninth defense, which was, I think a record at the time. And, uh, Kenta gets his first GAC junior reign in, 
Um, but yeah, really, this this match they were the, the only thing, you know, the thing we couldn't not talk about, um, which is uh, Kensuke Sasaki and and Kenta Kobashi. Yeah, yeah, you've got. Three matches essentially on on this card. You got the the Kenta Kanemaru, and then you've got the incredible tag match where you got um, Suzuki and Matafuji teaming together. And then oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and 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 you got no, like go Misawa and Kawada on top, which like and that's a great match too. Yeah. And, and a great and you know and, and a very sort of a good sort of culmination, fitting culmination of, of that story. But um, they struggle to get you know they struggle mm. in comparison to to this match because like this is you know it's one of those sort of unreal instances and it it's both of those i think certainly if you watch um that main event in in a vacuum it, it stands up much better than if you watch it as as an entire show and i think like when we yeah. eventually get to uh wrestle kingdom 9 um in 2015 right that's um it's the same deal and the, the same deal I felt when I was there um, 10 years after this, you know, 10 years after this show um, where that Tanahashi Okada match was, oh, that Tanahashi Okada match, you know, if you, if you watched it in a vacuum and like you, you thought about it individually, then that's like a perfect wrestling match, but it came after like one of the greatest matches of all time with like Ibushi and, and Nakamura. It was like this thing with Misawa and Kawada is like a great, great, great match. Really, really fucking great. But like it came after one of the greatest matches of all time, um, and, it, and it really is one of the greatest matches of all time. I mean, it's it's known for the 136 chops or whatever, but that that's it's just one part of of the story that that they tell, and I think it's uh, it is unfairly overshadowed, or people just think of the the chop exchange. But it's just it's just part of the the story, and it's an incredible story. It's it's a Wonderful match, really, really well structured. And guy, and, and, and sorry to interrupt. Like, did you? No, go. Did you watch this the first time you watched this match? Did you watch it cold or did you watch it knowing about like the chops? No, I watched it in. Stuff? I watched it in in two thousand five, two thousand six. Uh, yeah, like I said, one of those first few things was, that you sent back to me it was, sent over, was that dvd you sent over this in one of the the later noah shows uh during the year so yeah i, I just watched it as a, as a yeah. show and i just it, it was, it was incredible it, yeah. it's like because i mean the thing is with with the the chops it's kind of like watching um mick foley and the undertaker you know like the the hell himself <laughs> like it, it is kind of that in a way, mm. you know, I mean, obviously a vastly different kind of match, but it's one of those things where people only talk about this instant in the match, right? Yeah. So people only talk about Foley and, and Undertaker falling off the top. And like people mainly talk about Sasaki and Kabashi because of the, like you said, 136 drops and whatever. Mm. And so like, but it's interesting because I think like if you watched the King of the Ring like that Hell in a Cell match with uh, Foley and The Undertaker. And you watched it because I, the first time I watched that match, I didn't watch it. You know, this was, you know, I think we we said last time you were on, we, we didn't have satellite TV in our house, you know, so, and, and that's broadly why I have a, a gap in watching wrestling. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, we, I wasn't watching WWF in 1998. So I watched that match a good 
deal that Hell in a Cell match a good deal, man, a good deal of time after it had happened. And so I watched it knowing that, okay, Mick Foley gets thrown off the fucking top of the cell, right? Mm. Because like, that's, that's all the, all the sort of 14 year olds, 14, 15 year olds at the time were talking about, right? Fucking, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so I think like a lot of people, perhaps like I watched that match assuming that that was the finish, <laughs> right? Yeah. Makes sense, right? And I think, yeah. like, but I think as well, you hear like 136 chop exchange because of like the 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 nature of a chop exchange. That there's always like you know maybe stop me if you if you think like I'm off base here. No, like cool. you might think that that would go at the start of the match. Do you not think? No. Not not necessarily, no. Looking at the pacing of, of what you're doing and the fact that you suddenly have these two guys opposite each other. I mean, Kabashi's entrance, the, the, the reverence of the crowd, and he, he gets in. Well, the, and... like the, the one thing, sorry, I'll interrupt, but like the one thing to add to that entrance was that he, he hadn't been going out to like Grand Sword for years. Uh-huh. For like a couple of years, so since so this was like it went back to the 2003 Budokan match with Misawa was the last time he'd come out to Grand Sword. So like he was using some of the music then for like a good part of time. So like then yeah, when when Kabashi comes out and like the the piano sting hits and like everybody goes mental and like the announcer's going mental as well it's going out to grand sword again you know so like yeah that that was another just like another little element of this over okay this is something special and and beyond even though like this match didn't have a lot of build and it was you know so it came together pretty late and like both guys knew about it pretty late and like there is this thing where you know kobashi i think it was kobashi that that said before maybe it's the second as i said before um you know interviewed before the match was like i haven't spoken to him <laughs> um you know and then, you know in the context of the show like i haven't spoken yeah. to him we're, we're gonna do our talking in the ring that was very very real like they they really hadn't spoken um before this you know it, to a certain extent you can sort of see that during the match, the crowd begins to get into it. And so, yeah, Kabashi rewards them with you, with a backdrop or something. You can see the hope you, spots feeding off the crowd. Yeah. I think that if they had spoken about the match before, you wouldn't get that chop exchange. And, like, I think this was, like, the perfect, like... You know the the thing. Knowing that they hadn't spoken about this match, they they hadn't really they'd met each other all of once before, um, mm. randomly at a train station of all things was like their the first time they'd met, um, and that they hadn't spoken, but the the just the testament to two absolute masters of their craft, their ability to improvise is something that you see the so comes through in this match and like yeah. watching the match knowing what's going to happen and knowing like the circumstances behind it is like you know the reason why you know i said like you wouldn't get that that chop exchange normally is because like 
you start, they like you. You have all this anticipation. They they lock up, they lock on, so you get like a big reaction, right? Yeah. And like they do some, they do a few normal moves, right? And like the crowd kind of settles. Yeah, the crowd settles down a bit, and then they they go for a test of strength, and the crowd like picks up again. Yeah. Because and so I think like there was this thing of like knowing that. Oh, okay. You, you know, they, like this, the usual wrestling stuff. We're going to get to that. But what they really wanted to see was like, here's fucking Kentagabashi, like you know, the one of the four pillars, like you know, an, an icon of all Japan. And here's like Kensuke Sasaki, like who carried you know New Japan in you know, it was like a, a student of Rikichoshu, a very like strong style versus Odo, like conflict right and what the people wanted to see wasn't a performance they wanted to see who was stronger power and like that's yeah they just wanted yeah that's what they wanted to see and i think like where that and that was where that that came from like this chop exchange i think there was a very very fucking real thing of we're gonna go until we're gonna keep fucking hitting each other until we can't hit each other anymore and it goes through you know it's like it's it's crazy but like it's it's very it, like it's Kaufman-esque right like it, it goes the you know it's, it's like the the sort of um Andy Kaufman thing of him coming out and saying nothing right and it, it goes from like people sort of not knowing what was going what's going on through sort of boredom through hostility and then it, it becomes really fucking funny right and like it's the same with this where it goes like you know it, it starts being intense and the, the crowd goes yeah. through waves of that time where they're quiet Wait. and then they get loud and they get quiet and they get loud again because like it's like the it, it goes through excitement to yeah, like okay is this all right to like almost a self-parody and then it, it comes yeah. back up to being well, like, no, it's, uh, it's, fucking it's interesting that you you mentioned the the kaufman thing because yeah I, I wrote down two cultural references i mean one of them's an old cultural reference is uh, sir Gawain and the green knight if you're up on your medieval literature where um yeah a guy walks into town uh, walks into the king's hall and essentially says okay you take a swing at me with the sword and um if you kill me fantastic you get my kingdom and uh, if you don't of course i get to take a swing at you with the sword and uh, if i kill you i get your kingdom and again it is a very it's the distillation of two obstinate powerful men who have a game plan and they're just going to push through it and neither of them are going to back down and it's a very very real thing the other thing that it reminded me of was um an interview with uh, sam rami the uh, evil dead director because he brought out evil dead in in the early 80s when the whole video nasties um censorship deal was was going through in in the uk anyway and all of these films were being banned for being hyper ultra violent and there's a scene in that movie where someone gets hit with a, a crowbar repeatedly about the head and um the border classification said look you can't possibly have this person hit in the head 25 times or whatever it is. You know, you've got to cut it down to like three or four times. And you cut it down to three times. Someone getting hit in the head three times is just visceral and unpleasant and it ends. Mm-hmm. But that, w- that was never the point of the scene. The scene was to go from 
visceral and nasty to then push through to to something else to to self-reference almost to self-parody this this knowing performance of going from violence to well this is art and i know after this kabashi had mixed feelings about the chop exchange because when i was doing research for the for the picture because the the picture for the book was was from from this Mm. I, i read an interview with kabashi and he after this he didn't like it he didn't like that shop exchange because he did feel that it was to a certain extent ridiculous it was almost a a parody of it but then over time looking back on it and looking back at that moment within the context of the larger match and what it meant to his career after this and who he was as a person he he grew to love it and he grew to appreciate it again for for something other than what it initially was which is just two men whacking each other yeah, yeah, and and like he said, um, recently, recently, is that like it? It is ridiculous in a sense, but like that is kind of professional wrestling, you know? Like, yeah, you know? yeah, and, and yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And then like the the it then it only serves to fucking escalate from there, and like the yeah. like, the Northern Lights bomb on the floor, off the apron, yeah, off the apron, um, the the. You know, in the in the finish where it's like the moon salts at the end, but like and like the the it's the a finish, perfect moon salt mm. I mean, Note, looking at how Kabashi moves around the ring. I mean, I don't what his mobility issues are at this time. But he doesn't look comfortable at certain points moving around, whether it's just body mass. You know, but then he gets up to the top and hits this picture perfect moon salt. It was just yeah, breathtaking. But you, I mean, like the finish, and uh, like you know, and there's there's this sort of uh, artistic thing as well, and like you know, you can you. One of the things about Kensuke Sasaki is like you can't watch Sasaki without thinking about Choshu, um, and it's almost interesting again, like when you have like the the post split with Choshu, you know, in two thousand four, two thousand five, Sasaki, which probably you know, was one of the things that that drove him like this, this sudden break from his, his mentor, you know, or the guy that was his mentor, the guy that was his, his best friend or whatever. Um, the, the, he's a, he's a changed man, but like there, there is like that, that little, you know, that little element where like, uh, you know, Kabashi gets in a sleeper out of the, out the lariat and the sleeper suplex after that, you know, whereas again, it's like, it's that, yeah. Oh, it's that. It's that. Oh, Odo is like stronger than than strong style. Yeah. Or you know, Baba's Baba's teachings are are more powerful than Rikitoshi's, perhaps. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, God, the, like the finish is is such a, a visceral thing again. And and this time those, you know, how many were there? Like three or four, just six, vicious six back elbows. Back elbows. Yeah. Yeah. Six back elbows. Uh, unprotected. Back elbows. You, you just feel so much for for Sasaki I don't know both both men at this point you know, you've you've experienced so much with mm. and both of them are incredibly sympathetic characters again sort of juxtaposing them with their uh, maybe the New Japan counterparts or the, the kind of faux shoot stuff these people have been through this pro wrestling war their humanity is shining through and, and there's so much I know brutality you don't want to see Sasuke get smacked again and he does, mm. and he does, and he does, and it's oh, no, really mm. powerful, really, really the, powerful the, man. And that thing of of like this this match being like okay, two balls, and like the you know who's who's stronger, who's stronger, which is something what the the crowd really fucking want to see, right? And that's what yeah. 
leads you through that that famous part but then like the you know what sets that off is is that final definitive kabashi being able to say yeah i'm stronger than than you are and so that it it's self-contained you know and that's a rare thing as well that's such a rare thing in in wrestling to have like a one single self-contained story you know that that isn't Mm. they're not going for where are we going to be next month? What are we going to do next with Sasaki? What are we doing? You know, that that's cast aside. It's, and it's just like... And because why? of that, mm. you know, it, it's timeless. That's it. I mean, yeah. you, you don't need anything else. You just go and you watch that. And with that show in general and the, the legality of it, I don't know, but it's on YouTube. The, the entire show is on YouTube. Everyone should go and watch it. If they haven't already, you know, it's it's an education and it's it's incredible. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um... Yeah. <laughs> oh, Last, <God>. one. <laughs> oh, <God>. Last one. Last <laughs> one. So October. Down. October, New Japan. Yeah, yeah. So Go. literally, as I said, a couple of weeks uh, before the company was, was bought by Ukes, and um, we're now in, in the reign of Simon and Oki. And this is the point where, um, you know, Choshu comes into the company and he's come in to kind of wrestle and then like it's it's really around like you know just after this show that that they make it clear like choshu's role um to be sort of guiding the the sort of the ship effectively from an in-ring perspective um and so yeah i mean like the the, the matches i think to to kind of top and tail this um is is probably the the best way um where you know you you have that that tag and an interesting tag here where it's like rick joshu uh so you have on the one side you have fujinami and nishimura and then on the other side you have ricky joshu and tomohiro ishii yeah so like this is um whether it's ishii's first match in new japan but somewhere around that um you know, I mean, not it, it, the match itself is is nothing too much to to write home about, but like that that's an interesting juxtaposition there, where it's like this this conversion of old and new. Where obviously, I mean, you're going off to that age old Fujinami and and Choshu rivalry, yeah. um, but you also have like Fujinami teaming with you know Nishimura, who is. Yo, I mean, like good like a really sort of solid technical hand but such yeah. an old school figure and here's Ricky Choshu and trying to make a decorative point of I'm bringing in um, somebody very different and my feel you know his the Choshu feel is, is going to drastically change um, from where it has been and so you, you do have a very definite start of, of this new era um, yeah. with Tomohiro Ishii being, you know, being like the, the protege of, of Rick Choshu and of Sasaki, really. Yeah, and you can see that. I mean, I never, never thought about that, him fitting into that lineage um, until, yeah, I read the book because there's a couple of things there looking at where he came from and the respect that he'd earned before coming uh, to New Japan. Um, no, I'd never thought of that before. Oh, it's it's an it's a mishmash of a show. You're right. I mean, lots of new things. Yeah, lots of things that they're trying. So Ricky Romero, um, Ricky Romero, Rocky, 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 Rocky Romero. Yeah, um, uh, Black Tiger here against Tiger mm-hmm. Mask. 
you've got which is probably like the best match on that card i think and probably going to be the best match on any card i mean that at that time at that time yeah yeah but i mean i think yeah it it does you you kind of look at that card automatically and you think like kawada and like the kind of odd pairing with kawada and yoji anjo um but with tanahashi and nakamura and like that's something that looks really really exciting on paper and, and like in practice it kind of isn't you know and very that, odd pairings throughout yeah the thing. i mean what charlie yeah, had that and um what jindrak <laughs> against yes. endo kashin and, and nakanishi or um yeah no just just very on you it's a weird card and yeah, matt morgan I, I, against I, nagata yeah just, i mean I, I think like it does sort of signify like you know that you you get a lot of oddball cards from Joshu at, at this period of time. Um, I think partly because you know he's thinking of a let's shine a spotlight on the Indies, but and also mm. b let's have a lot of marriages of convenience where you know we can lean on guys to help prop up our cards and really to cut budgets. You know because yeah. they're cheaper. You know I, I think like you really really do get that feeling and you will especially will you know in in the next episode of this podcast because i mean for fuck's sake bad boy hedo like in the tokyo dome it's like <laughs> yeah you go back um, you know, wrestle kingdom one and i mean the early wrestle kingdoms are, are mm. very much just a mishmash of everybody who sits underneath this umbrella can come and and they're welcome in our house and yeah some of it just really doesn't work and some of it does because I mean, and then that's how you find your direction i guess um, they've certainly got nothing to lose at this point, right? Yeah, well, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, they can lose their their championship belt, and they can. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, they can lose the money they sank into Brock Lesnar. Um, God, is, yeah. yeah. The the main event of this, um, you know, the the file, the video file I watched of the of the main event. No, I rewatched um, before we got into this podcast. Uh, the video file was uh, 24 minutes long, um, of which 17 minutes was the entrances and Brock Lesnar's post-match promo. <laughs> yeah, in the main event of the Tokyo yeah. Dome. I've got uh, lots of minutes. lots of question marks all over my notes. It's like, well, why yeah. are they playing the American national anthem, and then, well, why are they playing any national anthem? Because then it's followed by the Japanese national anthem. Uh, you've got you know, this very Mr. Olympia video package mm. for for brock lesnar he comes out and it's just constantly mm. pulling this wrestling machine a superstar yeah and it just well, takes ever and ever before they get going well probably i you know it's one of those it's a fill for time isn't it i think yeah you know knowing what they were they were going to go with but um yeah i think like the idea with the national anthems at the start um part of it a, a sport you know okay let's you know they might be saying a sports style presentation but also mm. you know i think their idea was um you know because like your thing with kendo kashin and manabe nakanishi they were part of like team japan right so like this oh, yeah. was yuji nagata's led stable of kind of amateurish you know people i don't mean amateurish as, as just i was gonna say but yeah. like, um of like you know people with amateur wrestling backgrounds you know 
So like you know, Nagata used to have GX, and this was like kind of the continuation of GX was was Team Japan. So it was like right. him, like Nagata, and you know Kashin, and like you know then you have Inoue, and like then like Team Japan kind of segues into Segigun, right? Um, but yeah, you know, I think like there was this thinking of uh, you know perhaps we'll be doing that, and then chuck Fujita on the Japanese end, and then like have Lesnar with like. Charlie Haas and like Mark Jindrak and kind of have a Japan versus America thing. Maybe that was yeah. like their thinking, perhaps. Um, but yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. No, I mean, it, it starts we, out and it, 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 it's just old Lesnar, I mean, the old Lesnar from the very first moment. And I, of my very, very limited Japanese, learned solely from anime, you know, the. the announces kind of calling him a monster you know back him on as he as he throws the people throws chono and fujita away and just yeah no the others don't get anything in and they're they're just not presented on lesnar's level i mean lesnar is is just all domineering here i mean they're they're very yeah, little to, to harm him or dent him nothing really right right and like you know everything's just i mean there's a big problem with Kazuki Fujita being IWGP champion in the first place. You know, don't get me wrong there. Like, um, not, you know, not really a fan of that. But also the, so Chono had beaten Fujita during the G1, right? It was the G1 final, right? So mm-hmm. like Chono was, was the G1 winner. So that's where this match came from. Like, okay, Chono and Fujita. Lesnar comes in, we're going to skyrocket him. So, like, Lesnar gets added into this main event. And the idea was to have Lesnar and Fujita main event January the 4th. And so that, you know, that's why you eventually get to, like, Lesnar being Chono. You know, he doesn't pin Fujita. So he doesn't yeah. pin the champion. And that's why you have. Um, and then. You know, Fujita. But, and then, like, Fujita wasn't, was out of the comedy. <laughs> and then that's it. And then you never see. Fujita again. Yeah. I mean, he, he's responsible or partially responsible for two of the best bits in the match, though. Or, or rather, Chono is for the first instance. Like uh, Fujita goes running at him, and and Chono just sidesteps him and uses his momentum to throw him straight out to the floor. I liked that. And then Lesnar's coming back in. Fujita does essentially the same thing, and Chono just again uses his momentum and uses him as a as a weapon and just slings him into to Lesnar. I, again, I liked that. Um, but then later on, Fujita gets a, a big backdrop on Lesnar, and and mm. the crowd the crowd are engaged, and they they show their appreciation. And then of course Lesnar pops out at one, and not, and not one. Like I think like a zero count was was going <laughs> immediately. That I've written down at one, but yeah, the yeah, sense yeah, yeah. was yeah, just yeah, it's, immediate. Uh, yeah, I I think like um, now that uh, Keep It Two Thousand is is a few weeks off the the post wrestling network, I think we can steal um, one of their gimmicks and have the Lesnar bump challenge. Um, the the count being how how many. Like one, literally just one, right? Just well, the no, there was there was the backdrop, and then on the outside he comes off his feet because he runs into the post. Yeah, right. He, okay, but he kind of a, comes off his feet and then sort of staggers, he stays, the stays, yeah, he staggers back. Yeah. I don't think that counts. Um, <laughs> but that, that was the yeah, I think that was the thing of like Lesnar, you know, when he had the run with the belt, had very very short matches, and the idea would be to have people steadily 
you know get a little bit more on him you know and, yeah. until finally you know eventually he'd be deposed which um again never happened just a a whole mess and a whole mix of just i don't know disingenuity like through the whole yeah. match is and... something you really feel you kind of have the announcers talking early on about you know i mean is this great guy you know he beat the rock you know he was he was a world champion at, at 23 um he can do a shooting star press you know um <laughs> and like it's obviously never going to do um yeah and and but no i mean he could have been all those things and, yes. and i think that that's oh, the yeah. worst thing with lesnar and we're looking back at lesnar i think with a sense of i i dislike this guy as a, as a person as as one well, probably not as a person because i respect his desire for privacy and the fact that he's just going in and doing a job and i, I respect that i admire that good but as somebody perhaps invested in the product for which he is working or somebody who wants to watch selfishly i want to watch good matches because i'm paying for good matches here you have somebody who is naturally talented you have this this incredible wrestling ability because we've seen it and we know you do you've got a right to expect i say a right because again you've got no right to expect anybody else to do anything for you but as a consumer you expect a product to deliver something and if if you're making money as a product which he is, then you'd expect him to deliver what you're paying for. And he never did. And arguably after this point in professional wrestling, arguably, you'll never would again. I think like, you, I mean, like, I think one of the things, like, how old was I at this point? Like 25? Super young. Yeah, 25, 26. And I think now, like the the Lesnar that you, you that you see now is is very different to the Brock Lesnar you see here, and I think it's it's difficult with him, uh, and at this phase, and like I I think there's there's no way that you could say that you could look back at like the short run that he had, and especially that you know when you take into account the way. The, the reasons why he left and the, and the way that he left um you know there's no way that you could look on that positively no. but at the same time i don't think he would and i think like it's difficult in many a way because he clearly doesn't want to be there you know yeah. what i mean and like on a, a, a human level i almost kind of you recognize that and i understand yes. that in a way Whereas yeah. I think like, you know, the, it's, it's very different. You know, I mean, obviously enough's made of like, you know, Brock Lesnar not being, not particularly liking wrestling and like, you know, it's a job to him. But I think like, you know, even that being true, I think the Lesnar of today is clearly, and the Lesnar of the last few years is good at doing his job. Um, yeah. Whereas I think at this point it was just, you know, Lesnar having having thought that he would lose that he was you know out of this business that he didn't enjoy it and now he's kind of back into it and uh, you know he he's clearly you know had well, a couple of failed it, runs at trying to do these other things and and just like you know him as a human being like I feel bad for him at the, at this point yeah you know? and he's a man in crisis and and that's right he's just trying to find his place in the world and yeah and he. Yeah, wouldn't find that for a while. And of course, yeah, he's suffering from 
at this point he's he's sick, isn't he? I mean they they didn't they didn't diagnose whatever he was sick with for for a long time. What di- diverticulitis? Divertic right, right, right. whatever it is. I mean so yeah, I mean he's he's a young man and, and looking back on it, you know, there's so many things that we regret and so many things that we do at that age. Because he's he's my age, I think, exactly my age. Um so yeah, I don't know. I hate who I was at twenty five, so yeah. <laughs> right. I understand. Right. Um so yeah, I mean, so if this was for New Japan, sort of the the lowest ebb, it just gets better, right? <laughs> it, it, Passing like, the torch it, to the following, <laughs> to the next guy. I mean, ex- whoever deals with two thousand six, two thousand seven. Yeah, there's there's good stuff. I but that's not to say. Look, there's there's always good stuff in there. You know, you just kind of have to look at it. You know, in a, in a different, you have to really look for it. Um, and we're spoiled with uh, New Japan. We've been spoiled with with New Japan for the last year, five or six years, where mm-hmm. it's not very hard at all to find the good stuff. Um, but yeah, here it's like, oh, there's good stuff. You just really have to to claw away at it, and you kind of have to think, oh, this this match kind of isn't this show this card isn't really good on paper but look here's alexander otsuka and minori suzuki this should be a cracker and it's like oh it's slightly disappointing um but uh yeah there's it it gets really interesting certainly and i think like when you look at some of these uh weird cards that come up you'll see that things getting really interesting and you do i mean you do absolutely see um, people start to come to the forefront and and start to make the build, but it's definitely it's a long, long, slow uh, climb. But uh, yeah. things can only get better. Things things will start to get better for, for New Japan. I think you know we're we're past the Nadira at, at this point, and um, moving on to take a look at only the one Tokyo Dome show in two thousand and six. We've this is a, a double bumper. This is coming up as as a very long podcast, I think, in the end map. But um, you know, we've had to cover four big shows in in a very big year in, yeah. in pro wrestling, a very big transitory year. In uh, in two thousand and six, we'll only have the one, and going off from now on, we'll only have one show a year. Um, you know, because this was. In Noah's last show and Noah's last show in the Tokyo Dome and then the last time that New Japan ran several Dome shows. Uh, so for a long time, we'll only have one show to look at. Um, looking at 2006 and Sozonia chapter with me will be from uh, the legendary cagematch.net. Strigger is going to be joining me to look at 2006. Um, so that should be an interesting time. Um, in the meantime, Matt, what do you have going on that, that you want to promote? Bearing in mind that this podcast will be not out to most people for a little while yet. Um, well, at the moment, I mean, I'm in the middle of a, a string of, of commissions, mainly Yoshi work, um, which I appreciate. It gets me looking at some um, great action Dinosaurs? shots. Oh, Dinosaurs. Yoshi, Joshi, how do you? Joshi, Joshi, Joshi. Joshi. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm reading, God, like, um, oh, this is, this is it's not very, like, sometimes it, it just, like, you're, you're recording a podcast, but you wind up having a, a, a normal conversation. <laughs> like, this is, whether this actually makes air or not. But, like, I'm reading this, um, fantastic book called, um, uh, 19, uh, well, the Japanese title is Senkyuhaki Yuji Sennin, not Joshi Pros, like, uh, Joshi Wrestling in 1993. 
um and it's amazing like uh, just just really like long in-depth sit downs with like bull Meccano and like archer kong and, and stuff um, i mean uh, so and and that's it i mean similar similar research process you know to stuff done for the book you know so going back and, and looking at these people's careers so i'm enjoying that so yeah I, I do want to make money from this so if you do want anyone drawn or you're, you're working on any kind of book project magazine project whatever it is get in touch through twitter which is shining wizard ds um instagram as well shining wizard designs um just just get in touch you're you're all wonderful people again just incredibly appreciative of, of anybody who, who likes my work on on twitter especially when there are just so many incredible artists out there um so thank you very much to you for putting me in your your incredible book which is doing really well at the moment having been on sale for a couple of weeks right i mean sale for a couple of months by the time come, this comes oh, out but, oh, uh, but course, okay, you can, right. you can uh, still get uh eggshells pro wrestling in the tokyo dome um on the internet on amazon where other books are sold um, from me directly, just send me a message on Twitter at ReasonJP. Um, I still have books in like my in in my sort of storage room downstairs that, that driving my wife crazy. So take a book off me, probably. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, uh, Eggshells Pro Wrestling in the Tokyo Dome is the book in paperback form, in in digital form, in uh, soon or maybe now. Maybe soon, depends. In November, audiobook for you as well. So uh, all exciting yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and yes, it'll be me and Striga talking to you next time. Uh, until then, take care of yourself. Goodbye. Bye bye.